Thank you for downloading this sermon from Grace Presbyterian Church. Grace is a church where people seeking more grace, more depth, and more community can start finding their way and sharing their gifts with the world. You can follow us online at graceforsufalls.org. It's been said that the whole story of redemption from beginning to end is a story that begins in a garden and ends in a city. But as we contemplate these words of John, we realize that in order to get to that city, we first must go through another garden, the garden where Jesus' crucified body was laid, the garden where the tomb that held our Lord Jesus was found. It's interesting to imagine what sort of garden that would have been. Where was the place where they took his body and laid him to rest? Well, the word that's translated from the Greek here as garden gives us a little bit of information. That word is kapos, which probably denotes something like an orchard. So as you imagine this garden, imagine a a grove of trees, an orchard that you could walk through, that you could walk under the canopies. You might even hear the wind in the branches as you passed through it. It's not the first time we've encountered a a kapos or a garden in this evening's readings. Actually, in the beginning, in the first lesson, we encountered one as well. When the soldiers come to arrest Jesus, they find him... John says, in a kapos near Kedron. This is the kapos better known as the Garden of Gethsemane, where he often gathered with his disciples. And Gethsemane was a small orchard. It was a small grove of olive trees that lie between the brook of Kedron and the Mount of Olives. A tranquil, peaceful, pastoral place, obviously well-suited to meditation and to prayer. In the second lesson that we read, this word comes up again when the servants are questioning Peter and finally eliciting his refusal to acknowledge that he even knows Jesus. The final servant who questions him asks, did I not see you in the kapos with him? Did I not see you in the garden with him? So we can picture a place a restful place, a peaceful place, an orchard, a grove of trees, a place that you might walk through and think this would be a good place to pause, a good place to stop and to reflect, a good place to pray, as Jesus did in places like this, as his disciples gathered in places like this to commune with God. It's also the sort of place that you might see and think, you know, this would be a good place if you had the money to invest in. This might be a good plot of land to buy and commission stonemasons to carve a cave for you as your final resting place and the resting place of your ancestors, which seems to be what Joseph of Arimathea had done when he saw this place. He saw the goodness of it. He saw that it would be a peaceful place for his body to lie and those who went after him. And Joseph wasn't just some sort of uh, egomaniacal rich guy who wanted to turn all of the nice gardens into private cemeteries. This was actually a tradition going back all the way to Father Abraham. 
in Genesis 23, Abraham spies a, a field, a field of Ephron, and he says, this would be a good place to be a burial ground for me and for my people. And so he negotiates with the Hittites, and he purchases this place, this ground, to be set aside. Read in Genesis 23, in verse 17, that the field with the cave that was in it and all the trees that were in the field were made over to Abraham and to his descendants. Indeed, Abraham buried his wife Sarah there. Abraham himself was buried there. His sons and their wives were buried there so that this cave, the cave of Machpelah, became the cave of the patriarchs, which is still there in Hebron. Maybe Joseph of Arimathea imagined himself doing something similar to what Father Abraham had done as well, that this would be the ground where he would rest and his sons after him. That was his plan. But God and his providence had a better plan than that, for the resting place that Joseph had carved out, a place where no body had ever lain, where no decay had ever been known. This peaceful garden, God intended to lay the body of his son, our Lord Jesus. This kapok, this garden. I reflected on those words throughout the course of this week and started looking to find the other references, the other uses of this Greek word. I had this idea for how to make this talk really exciting, which was what if the Garden of Eden itself was a kapos, a kapos of Eden, obviously not in Hebrew, but in Greek, in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. I thought, wouldn't it be a fine thing if it turned out to be the same word? So I went and looked, and to my dismay, it is not the same word. Uh, It's not the same word at all. It's actually much better than that. If you go to the Greek translation of Genesis 2 and you read about the Garden of Eden, the Septuagint translates it the paradison of Eden, which is the same word that Jesus speaks to the thief on the cross when he says, today you will be with me in paradise. So quite literally, Eden was a paradise, and the place you go after death, if you are in Christ, is paradise, and paradise is a garden. The connection between paradise as we think of it in the afterlife and and a garden is one that's probably obvious to us and it should be obvious to us. It is written throughout the fabric of Scripture. If you had entered like we saw Jesus did on Palm Sunday and you had looked around at the temple structure, if you'd paid attention to the decorative motifs, you would have seen that the decoration of the temple was meant to portray a garden. Now, the temple is the dwelling place of God, and the paradison of Eden is where God and human beings have dwelled together and enjoyed a communion which we have never enjoyed since. So it made sense. If you were asking yourself, how should we decorate the dwelling place of God with man, of course, you would make it look like a garden. And Jesus, when he entered Jerusalem in anticipation of his crucifixion, as you follow 
the events of Holy Week, it seems like the places Jesus is drawn to, he's either at the temple or he's snuck off to some garden. Like if, he, if he's not at the temple, go, go check the garden and you'll probably find him and vice versa. These connections leap out at you if you have eyes to see. And then we come to the crucifixion. They take his lifeless body off of the cross and they entrust it into the hands of his secret disciples for burial. They bring his body from the cross to a garden. That place of peace, that resting place, which was about to get very restless in three days' time. Because that garden, that tomb, that had been empty up to then would be empty again. And that place would be transformed into the epicenter of new life. That container of death would be the place from which life would spring. That earthly garden, by the way, that kapos, where Jesus was buried, like Eden, did not last. It did not stand the test of time. It was destroyed. In AD 70, the Romans, of course, uh, defeated and, and sacked the city of Jerusalem, laid waste to the temple, the very temple whose destruction Jesus had alluded to was actually brought low. Generation after that, in AD 132, the emperor Hadrian built the temple on the site of Christ's burial, but it was a temple to Venus, the goddess of love. It stood there for a couple of centuries until the Christian emperor Constantine came along. He pulled down the temple of Venus and he built a church on that ground. There's been a church there ever since in one form or another. It's the place you would find now the church of the Holy Sepulcher. Interesting too, something similar happened to Abraham's cave. If you were to go to that cave of the patriarchs where Abraham and his sons were buried, you would also find a structure on top of that. Not a church, in this case, it's a mosque, the Al-Ibrahimi Mosque, which, if you're as old as I am, you'll remember was the site of a massacre 30 years ago, uh, in 1994. The difference between those two sites, though, they may both have religious structures on top of them, but here's the thing. Al-Abraham and his descendants were buried Cave of Machpelah, Jesus, and his descendants, all who are in him, are still alive. While the tomb of the patriarchs may contain the patriarchs, the tomb of Christ is empty. Jesus, like Abraham, looked down to the future. He looked to the needs of his people, anticipated what they would need, and provided for those needs. That what Jesus' people needed wasn't a burial place. What they needed was life. That's what he gave them. They didn't need a tomb. Or if they needed a tomb, they needed an empty one. So they found the tomb of Jesus Christ empty. But not yet. This is still Good Friday. Save that for Easter Sunday. And instead reflect on that moment as Christ's body is committed to that tomb, and that stone is rolled over it. And in that place of peace, after a day of, of horrendous chaos, is a place of peace once more. And in that peace, as our Lord Jesus rests, 
Let's reflect on these things. First, on something that we've seen throughout the readings this evening, God's providential care, even over the smallest details of Christ's atonement. Over and over again, we're told that the tiniest things happened for a reason, that they happened to fulfill the word that had been spoken before. And even here, in this moment, we see that God was already at work, already anticipating. Because of the haste, the need to have the men on the cross die quickly, to dispose of the bodies quickly, it just so happened that there was this convenient garden nearby. And it just so happened by chance that a rich man had carved out a tomb and never put it to use. There it was. And that rich man, it just so happens, was a follower of Jesus Christ, trusted enough by Pilate to have his body turned over. All of that was ordained by God. All of that was prepared by the Father to receive his Son. But think about that. Think about this too. Think about the presence of God with Christ from beginning to end. We read the story of the crucifixion. We see ourselves in the kapos, the garden of Gethsemane, with Christ in prayer to God. And that prayer is tumultuous. That prayer is, is, is full of, of underlying tension, churning emotion. But at the conclusion, we find ourselves once again in a garden, and all is at peace. The work is done. It is finished. There is rest. Remember this too. That rest on earth is not the end of the story. The hardest thing about a Good Friday service is that you really stop short of where you want to go. That we force ourselves to, to dole it out as it were, to not get to Easter too soon, but to, to wait, to pause, to reflect on the death of Christ before we glory in the resurrection of Christ. But even that teaches us a lesson. that This is not the end. All of us will face death. All of us hope that, that when we face death, we will find rest. And look back on a life we hope well lived. We want to believe that the generations that will come after us will be taken care of, that we will have done our part to foresee their needs and to meet them so that we might look back on our lives and say, well done. But even in that moment, as you rest in the grave, the story is not done. There remains a final act, the final act of life, of resurrection. Just as Christ's story continues in life, so our stories pass through death into life. What Christ has done for us is not sanctify a little garden somewhere in a far-off land where if we knew what was good for us, we would go back and, and preserve the site better, take it back from whoever has it, make sure that all of the signs reflect the goodness of what happened here. Christ's work was not about erecting a monument on earth for his people to sanctify and to defend. Christ gives life. Christ leaves tombs empty. Christ makes memorials unnecessary because in Christ 
there is life everlasting. He has given us that life through his cross. Thank you for listening. You can find more sermons from Grace and information about joining us for worship by visiting our website at graceforsufalls.org. We also invite you to visit the iTunes store and subscribe to the Sermons of Grace podcast.